Well, we are continuing our series uh, we're calling Legacy. And here's the question that we're asking. What is the legacy you're leaving behind when you leave this world behind? And as we've already said, legacy is not really so much about the possessions that you leave behind. It's, it's the people. It's the people that you leave behind and the stories that they tell. In fact, uh, if you're taking notes, here's one of the key thoughts that's kind of been running throughout the series, and it's this. Everyone gets to choose the legacy that they will leave. Everyone gets to choose the legacy that they will leave. Last week, I gave you a little bit of a, a homework assignment. Anybody remember what the homework assignment was? Spend some time with someone outside of your generation. Well, after the service, uh, one of the services last week, a few guys walked up and they said, uh, we're, we're here in town, we're, we're new to town, we're training with the Air Force, we're here and we don't know anyone, so um, you want to hang out? I said, I said yeah, I think, I think that would be a lot of fun. And so we did. This past week we got a chance to hang out and we got to have dinner. And I was just really curious to, and, and I did, I learned a lot, but I wanted to learn specifically about just what compelled them to, to enlist and we were talking and, and then one of the guys began to tell a story. He began to tell a story about his grandfather. He told a story about how his grandfather lied about his age so that he could, he could get in on the tail end of World War II. And he did. He fought in World War II. He fought again in the Korean War. And as he continued to tell the story of his grandfather, I could see it in him. I could see the, the inspiration that his grandfather was to him, who has since passed. And I'd never met his grandfather, but I felt like I had just listening to him talk. His grandfather was not only the inspiration for him to serve in the military, his grandfather was the inspiration for his faith. And he began to talk about the, the faith of his, his grandfather and his, and his grandparents and the difference that that's made and why he is who he is today. <laughs> that's legacy. Those stories, that's legacy. And there is a lot in this life that we do not get to choose, but we do get to choose the legacy that we will leave. And here's why. We get to choose the story that someone will tell then because we get to choose the story that we live now. Jesus did. Jesus was so intentional with the one life that he had here on this earth. In fact, in John 17, he is praying to his father, and here's what he says. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Can you just hear that in Jesus' voice? He knew what his mission was. Jesus was so intentional with the one life that he had. He knew exactly why he was here. He knew exactly the mission that his father had called him to. And he made a decision. Jesus made a decision to live the legacy his father had called him to. He made a decision to leave a legacy of faith for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and we're still here talking about him today. Have you decided? Here's, here's my hope for today. If, if you've never decided what legacy you want to leave, I hope that you'll decide today. Now, I hope that you will decide to leave a legacy of influence that will the faith that will influence the next generation. Because once you've made that decision, 
then there are a few clarifying questions that I think are helpful for us. And we've talked about these throughout the series, but here they are quickly. Who's influencing you? That's a pretty good clarifying question if you want to leave a particular kind of legacy. Who are you influencing? And then finally, we've talked about this. How are we, the church, how are we, emphasis on we together, how are we influencing the faith of the next generation? So next week, we're going to talk about how Scripture gives older generations the responsibility of teaching the younger generations. But today, we're going to flip that on its head just a little bit. Today, what we want to look at is the fact that you don't have to live a lot of years to have a lot of influence. Scripture gives us examples of how young people influence older people. And maybe it's not an age thing. Sometimes it's influence with those who have authority over you in, in, in some way. So as you're listening to the, to the story we want to share today, think about it in terms of, are there people who have authority over you that maybe you've already said, yeah, I'm, I have no influence? Well, scripture would say differently. And we're going to see it today through the story of Daniel. Many of you are going to relate to the Old Testament story of Daniel. You're going to relate because maybe you're starting a new job. Some of you are going to relate because maybe you're starting a new school here in just a few weeks. Some of you are going to relate because you're, you're out of your comfort zone. You're out of your element. Some of you are going to relate maybe because you are young. Daniel was a teenager. Maybe you'll relate because you know what it feels like to be dismissed or disrespected simply because of your age or because you don't rank high enough. Or Some of you are going to relate... Um, because you know what it is to walk into a school environment or a work environment where every day you're ridiculed for your faith. Some of you know that very well to the point where you almost wonder, maybe it would just be better, just easier if no one even knew I was a Jesus follower. Just put my head down, just do my work and just let that be that. Some of you are gonna relate to Daniel. Some of you are gonna relate to Daniel because you've lost a lot. Daniel lost a lot. And maybe you're wondering where God is at in all of this. If that's you, you're going to relate to the story of Daniel. The story of Daniel begins in the book of, does anyone know? The story of Daniel begins in the book of Daniel. That's right. He got his own book. The story of, by the way, if you're new to the Bible, it doesn't always work that way. But in this case... It does. The story of Daniel begins in the book of Daniel, and that's where we're going to start. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Well, those articles from the temple weren't the only things that he had carried off. This happens over a period of about 20 years. For around 20 years, Babylon, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, has been invading Judah, throughout Judah, destroying homes, kidnapping, uh, killing people through cruel means, cruel, like starvation, 
And then around 605 BC, that's when Daniel and a few of his friends are taken out of Jerusalem and they are exiled and taken to Babylon. Daniel, a young teenager, is taken away from his parents, taken away from everything that he's ever known. And all of a sudden he finds himself in this foreign land. So Daniel has a decision to make. He has to decide whether he is going to give up, and he could have, give up on God. God, why did you let this happen? Give up on his faith? Well, I guess none of that stuff really mattered anyway, or give up on life. What's the point? He could, have, he could have made a decision to give in. He could have just said, you know what? I'm just going to blend in, and I'm just going to put my nose down. I'm just, I'm just going to do whatever I'm asked to do and just try to preserve my own life for as long as I can. He could have made that decision, but that's not the decision that he made. He made a decision to stand up for the standards that he'd been taught his whole life, the standards of God. And so because of that, he found himself in a pretty precarious position from the very beginning. Here was the first test. It didn't take long. But chapter 1 tells us that the chief officials came to Daniel and these other young men and said, you're going to eat the king's food. Well, the problem with eating the king's food is that it actually violated God's law in the foods that they were supposed to be eating. So here's what young Daniel does. He goes to the chief official and he says, look, we want to abstain from these foods. We'll take water, we'll, we'll eat vegetables. Well, the chief official is like not keen on this idea because it's actually going to be his head on a platter if these guys are presented to the king and they look malnourished. And so Daniel steps in and he says, give us 10 days. The chief official agrees. And then after 10 days of water and vegetables, which... I don't necessarily recommend, I'm not going to leave here today and do water and vegetables, but that's what they were called to do. That was their step of obedience, and they did it, and they were healthier, and they were stronger than any of the other guys. This is the point where we start to see in Daniel's story, he begins to receive this, this favor, God's favor upon him, and this blessing. And then look what it turns into. To these four young men, God gave, and this is, for, uh, this is Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, these four young men, gave, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole world kingdom and it's a good thing because what happens next is the king has a dream and the king cannot interpret his own dream so what does he do he goes to his trusted advisors those who are supposed to be the most experienced those who are supposed to be the most knowledgeable uh, the most educated and he goes to them with this dream and here's their response what the king asks it's too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. He just wants to kill them all. He is not happy. 
And he's not happy because they can't interpret. No one can interpret this dream. Well, no one except for guess who? Daniel. God chooses to give Daniel the wisdom. He gives him what he needs at just the time that he needs it. And Daniel is able to interpret the dream that no one else could interpret. And Daniel gives credit to God. He praises God that God would give him the wisdom to be able to do that. Daniel is praising God, but Daniel is not the only one. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire, the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. We begin to see that Daniel is exercising these gifts that God gave to him. And he starts to receive this favor from God and the favor of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's given a promotion and he's given this teenager who was in way over his head is now over the entire province of Babylon. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that kind of weight given to this teenager? Now, while Daniel is ruling, three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are left behind, or they are there in the king's court. And the king, I don't know if maybe he was just getting a little bit uh, bored or some of this glory that was going to God. He wanted a little taste of that as well, but here's what he does. He, put, he basically puts together a worship service for kind of himself, uh, for his gods. And so he uh, puts up a statue. He orders to everyone, when you hear the music, you are to bow down. It's basically, you're going to bow down or you're going to get a beat down. And that's kind of the deal that they had with the people. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, well, they refused to bow down. And, um, well, this didn't make the king uh, none too happy. Furious with rage. I think we're kind of seeing a theme here with Nebuchadnezzar. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. You just feel the arrogance coming off the page. Who will save you then? Well, here's their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Well, the king does what he promised he would do. In fact, the king does more than he promised he would do because he heats up this furnace seven times hotter than it usually is. In fact, it was so hot that the soldiers that threw them into the fire were consumed themselves. But God protected them. See, God was in the fire with them. It's just the way he does things. He was in the fire with them. He protected them from the fire. In fact, when they brought them back out, no one could figure out how they survived this, but when they brought them back out, they didn't even, there wasn't even a hint of fire on them. They, they couldn't even smell smoke on them. And once again, it was a decision. Once again, a faithful decision to leave a legacy of faith influenced the faith of a king. Look at this. Here we are again. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. We learn a lot of things from the story of Daniel, but one of the things that we learn is that you don't have to live a lot of years to have a lot of influence. They could have just said, okay, okay, we'll just bow down. We'll just, you know, kind of keep the peace. But yet it was the trust that they placed in God that then influenced the heart of King Nebuchadnezzar to turn around and praise God once again, the one true God. It was their decision to leave a legacy of faith that would influence a king because they decided. You, you see, before there was a statue raised, before the, there was music that began, before there was a, a fiery furnace, before all those things, they had already decided that regardless of the situation, the circumstances, regardless of the outcome, they were going to leave a legacy of faith for the next generation and they did. They stood strong. This is one of the many lessons that we see in the book of Daniel. Now, they were able to influence those who had authority over them. So I want you to think for just a moment, who is someone that has authority over you, power over you, rank? Um, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a coach, a higher ranking official. Who could you encourage and influence that has authority over you? And while you're thinking about that, can I give you just a few reasons why this is so important? Why this matters? Well, number one, when you lighten someone's load, you lighten your own. We see this in the story of Daniel. The king had a a problem. Well, <laughs> the king had big problems, but he had a problem that he needed to solve, one that he was aware of, and that was to interpret his dream. 
And Daniel was there to help him. You see, there is nothing like serving others to help you improve your mood, to help you improve your outlook on life. There's nothing like giving of yourself. Now, some of you know that to be true because you've experienced it, but if you've never tried it, I want to encourage you to lighten someone else's load because it will lighten your own. You see, Daniel got a promotion. doesn't always work that way, but he got gifts lavished on him. But God was giving him favor and giving him the wisdom that he needed. Sometimes when you lighten someone's load, it lightens your own. Number two, encouragers gain influence. Second reason why this is important is because encouragers gain influence. Now, I'm not talking about uh, sucking up or some false manipulative behavior to try to coerce someone to do something that you want them to do. I'm talking about a spirit of encouragement. Talking about the the spirit of, of wanting to lift somebody up. A few Sundays ago, actually it's been, been months ago, I was in my home office early on a Sunday morning getting ready to preach. And uh, my second oldest son, Landon, who's also an early riser, uh, bounced in my office. He's kind of like got that tigger energy, you know, just kind of walks in and goes, are you ready to preach? I said, nope. <laughs> and it was the truth. <laughs> And he said, you got this. And he just walked out. And then a little bit later, he said, hey, uh, I'm ready. I can, I can drive you if you want to look over your notes on the way you know, in. I can, I can drive. I said, man, that, that'd be great. Well, came time to leave. I started to walk out to the truck. He was already in the driver's seat with the truck running, ready to go. He said, hey, I made, you, I made you some coffee just in case you need it, just to wake you up. All right. Yes, I have been spoiled. But more than that, I've been encouraged. One of the most important things that we can do is to stay encouraged. I tell you that to tell you it's the, it's the power of encouragement. And also, he's leaving for college next week, so I'm looking for a new driver. Uh, <laughs> Annie is offered to drive, and I would definitely pray more on the way here, so that would be a good thing. <laughs> so, well, I'll just I'll keep you updated on that. It's the power of influence through encouragement. Can I speak to those of you who are still living with your, your parents at home? If you're not encouraging them, Sometimes it's with words and sometimes it's just with seeing a need and just meeting it without even... If you're not encouraging them, you're leaving influence on the table. I want to encourage you to encourage them. Maybe you can just ask, hey, what can I help you with? Now, if you don't normally ask that, make sure they're sitting down first before you ask that. (laughs) But ask them. You, you, You might blow them away. But that will give you influence and the right kind of influence because encouragers gain influence and number three finally this is why this is important you'll write a better story when you help someone write theirs daniel's story could have been so different 
He could have just said, you know what? I've just lost too much. I'm, I'm way too young. No one's going to listen to me. You know what? I could get myself killed here. Or I could also get my friends killed alongside with me. He could have just given in. He could have just given up. His story could have been so different. But Daniel chose to help someone write their story. And it became a better story. It became a story that resulted in giving God praise and God glory that he ultimately deserves. Because he was willing to help someone write their story, generations have been influenced. And we still carry that legacy today. You can do the same today. The Apostle Paul tells his young apprentice, Timothy, these words. He says, don't let anyone think less. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. See, the way you live becomes the story that you leave. The way you live becomes the legacy that you leave. Be an example. Yeah, maybe you're young. Uh, maybe you're outranked. Maybe you don't have a lot of power or position. And it doesn't seem like you have a lot of influence. But hear me, friend, you do. And God will show you favor. He will give you what you need when you need it. Now, if you've never trusted Christ and you've never placed your faith in him, that's your next step. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in a fire and maybe even right now you kind of feel like you're in one too. But I want you to know what God did that day for them, he will do for you. He will join you in the fire. He will protect you. He will be with you. He will fill you with his spirit to give you strength. And he will save you, ultimately save you. And not from a, a literal fiery furnace, but he will save you from sin. And he will save you from death. He hung on a cross to save you from sin. And he rose from the dead three days later. So that your death would not have the final word. He overcame the grave so that one day you can overcome yours as well. And because of Jesus, there is no fire that you will ever have to fear. Not in this life and not in the next. If you have not received Jesus, that's your first step. And I hope and pray that you'll make that decision today. If you have taken that first step, then consider this one. A little homework assignment for this week. Identify three relationships in which you can encourage and influence someone in authority over you. Lighten someone's load encourage someone and help someone write a better story because you don't have to live a lot of years to have a lot of influence let's pray father 
We thank you for the call on our life. We thank you for your activity in our world. You did not create and just leave us to our own. You have sent your Holy Spirit to guide us, to fill us. You are, you are near. You are active. And so, Father, I'm praying for, for anyone who's ever felt like maybe they were dismissed. I'm praying for anyone who's felt disrespected or been tempted to shrink back when you were calling them to step up. Father, would you give us the kind of faith, the faith that Daniel had, even in the midst of so much loss, the, the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they would step into the fire. They would trust you so much to know that even if you did not save them, that ultimately they were safe in your hands. Father, for anyone who is trusting in you for the very first time, we thank you for that decision. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.